what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to the True Performance Show by Ziegler. Every positive pursuit in life, every progression of personal development, change is fueled by one thing, inspiration. It's the drive and the hunger that propels every good endeavor. Without it, we merely have a dream, but never actually move. With it, we can actually overcome insurmountable odds to achieve our desires, convictions, and calling. In this show, we come together to drill down into what really makes success tick and how we can apply it to our unique personal and work lives. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and right now we're going to inspire your true performance. Hi, everyone. This is Kevin, and this is Ziegler's True Performance Show, episode 415. Today, we are bringing you a repeat guest, Bob Bodine. We had him in show number 324. That was back in June 26, 2015. That show has now been downloaded by 53,539 people. Well, today we have Bob back to discuss a message that Tom Ziegler cited has changed his life. Uh, And now, honestly, after digesting the message myself, I'd say there's no message I need more. So it's covered in books. And that's what we're going to review today. His new book, Two Chairs, The Secret That Changes Everything. Uh, As with most secrets, it's not so much, I think, a secret as a truth that is just not commonly understood and followed. And there are some key points that we hit on here that I know for me are to some degree really revelatory. The point of the book and this message and the interview today is this, uh, and this is, this is what Bob writes. The goal is to get ourselves to where we can find the peace, joy, insight, wisdom, power, and favor we'll need to bring back hope to the situation. Uh, for those of you who do not know Bob, Bob is the president and CEO of Eastman and Bodine uh, and recognized as the top sports entertainment search executive in the U.S. Sports Illustrated named Bob the most influential man in sports you've never heard of. How is that for a description? Uh, as CEO of Eastman and, and Bodine, Bob manages the nation's leading executive recruiting firm in sports and entertainment. Uh, he's served as a member of the SMU Cox School of Business Associate Board. Uh, Bob and his wife, Cheryl, I've been married 32 years and have three grown daughters. They live in Plano, Texas, which is also the home of the Ziegler headquarters. He and Tom Ziegler are close friends, as you'll hear about in the upcoming interview. Well, folks, here's a preface to today's show. We have a big audience here at Ziegler. This show has had 29 million downloads. Uh, We have listeners from around the globe. 72% are in America. Uh, but we've got people of all ages, all walks of life, all types of beliefs and faiths, and, and they're all here because they desire to inspire and achieve their true performance, and they trust the message and name of Ziegler, uh, which we're incredibly grateful for. So I say all this 
to tell you there's no way we can bring topics into every show that are relevant for 100% of our listeners. Uh, as my wife is fond of saying in regards to not discounting something that may not at face value be along your lines of, of value, eat the fish and spit out the bones. Or in other words, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. So the point, why do I bring that up? The message today is entirely faith-based, uh, which for me, I can eat and digest entirely. But for those of you who do not share a faith in the same way you're going to hear in today's message, I'd ask you to give it a chance. And I actually ask Bob about this. Hey, is there any value in this message for somebody who does not believe like you do, uh, like we do? And we, uh, we hit that uh, pretty quick to the, at the beginning of the show. Um, but about, about the book, a little bit more about the book, the back cover of, of it shares this. It says, at one time or another, we will all have troubles. Life will be crazy, painful, messy, and suddenly tragic. Oftentimes we don't cause it. Sometimes we do. Regardless of how it arrives, it's essential to be prepared. Two chairs asks three vital questions. Does God know your situation? Is it too hard for him to handle? Does he have a good plan for you? And I'll tell you right off the bat, one of the big things we talk about and that it, for me personally is this is not just a time of coming to God in prayer, which we tend to do if we do anything uh, between us and God, but it is listening, listening, listening. So following these questions, Bob offers seven practical steps in times of trouble and readers will be equipped to walk courageously, faithfully, and cheerfully to the other side of the crisis. Now, folks, you can get the book anywhere you buy books online. Uh, it'll be in most bookstores around the country about a week from the posting of this. Uh, but then you can also go to twochairsbook.com. That's the number two twochairsbook.com. And you can buy the book there. You can sign up for email so that you can stay in contact with Bob as well. A last thing before we, I bring you this, this, uh, interview with Bob Bodine, Tom Ziegler and myself that we just recorded. Uh, we've had some deep, powerful shows lately with some amazing guests. If you were positively affected in any way, and I would ask this always, would you please bless those guests and inform us by posting a positive review about the show in iTunes and Stitcher? There's really no other way. I mean, we get emails here and there, of course. But, uh, you know, obviously it testifies to other people who are interested in the show, but it's some, it's a big benefit to the folks that we interview to see the feedback, to see that their message had value. They use that in their own websites and, and such. They'll talk about that, but it also shows us, it gives us insight as to what, where you are finding value in the show. So if you would, I would just ask for that gift, take, take a moment to log into iTunes or Stitcher and leave a, a positive review in regards specifically. It's great if you would name somebody, name the show or, or the person we interviewed and why it was powerful to you. Uh, so thank you for that in advance. Okay. Well, hey, with that said, now we are going to dive into this interview. I'm going to bring you Bob and Tom and myself live right here, right now. Well, hey, Bob, you have a long history with Ziegler, but this is the second time on the show together. Thanks so much for being with us again. Hey, it's fantastic to be with you. Well, as a guy, so I, I got to start off with this as a guy whose life is so much in and around sports. And of course, we've got the Olympics going on, lots of other things. What's the favorite sports moment you've seen in the past 30 days? You know, I was, uh, I, I don't know that the, I always like to see someone like Bolt, who's, who's not actually looking like he's going to do anything. And then in the last 50 meters, all of a sudden just takes it to a new level. You know, there's something about us inside that we get to a point in our lives. And then 
we're, we're fighting to see, can I really do this? Can I do it? And then he kicks in some extra thing. And, and I don't know, I guess I just love his whole arms coming back and showing the bolt after he's done, you know, like he does to the people that just, you know, some people think that's like ridiculously cocky. I think this is just, this is a person who's trained and developed and is utilizing God's talents to such a degree. And he showcased it. Uh, it is. It's inspiring. I, I read a, a really neat article from a Christian publication this morning about Michael Phelps just talking about the trials that he went through. You know, he had a DUI and and thought he was done, and he got some good counsel and came back and is doing what he's doing. And man, those those stories are just. Uh, uh, well, I cry a lot watching it. Actually, is 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 the truth. <laughs> well, no, I hey. get it, and and I think in some of those is that you know when you when you take a situation like his again, he had kind of this personal board of directors that he went in and covered him and re-reminded him that, hey, sometimes trouble and favor go hand in hand. That sometimes your worst situation is actually going to turn into actually something that creates great opportunity for kingdom thoughts and things that are so exciting that all of a sudden are going to inspire other people who actually are also down for the count and now feel that their current circumstances are disqualifying them from their dream. And the answer is it's just not true. Yeah. Well, you talk about a personal board of directors. You're getting into a a topic in your book that I want to hit on. Well, folks, again, our focus is the Two Chairs book, which you can find at two, the number two, chairsbook.com. So in this book, in this message, Bob, what was the catalyst for bringing it to the world now? You know, I think there's just some, some, some messages are so timely. Uh, they were as meant for people all over the world. And I think we all feel that today. There's just seems to be so much more trouble, so much more hurt, so much more um, danger that surrounds our lives. And we're looking for leadership. We're looking for something, some some words, some confidence, something that's going to to open up a path that make us feel safe. And, and today, when, you know, I look back over the last 40 years as, as my mom uncovered some things for me in my life, I had one person who, who decided that they would plant something in us. And, of course, one of the things that I love about Ziegler is that each time I'm doing one of these podcasts is that, you know, the greatest leaders in history all, all believe three things. And everybody who comes on a Ziegler, you know, podcast or does something, they all believe in this. And the first one is... They believe they have an assignment, a purpose, and a destiny all their own. And I think, uh, you know, that's so exciting. Number two is that one person then crossed their path during their life and elevated their perspective that they could do it. And then three is then they activated it. So one of the things was that was for me in this, for this particular book, for this particular time is I just... You know, I look back, I just talked to my mom and said, hey, how am I going to find my goals and my dreams? You know, I was a junior in college. I didn't know what to do. How would I find, um, how would I find a mate? What do I do in times of trouble? I mean, real trouble that, you know, you don't have any answers for. And she, you know, you know, it's your mom. Moms are, are just amazing. You know, you know, dad sometimes, my dad was one of those go-to guys that, you know, when I wrote The Power of Who, he he was that person. I, and I wrote that through the lens of my dad's eyes. This one, my mom's. 
Uh, and if you think back in 1976 and the times of, you know, really, you know, drugs and rock and roll and the 70s, and now we got people flying around the country and they're busy. Moms took over the spiritual lead of the households and they were taking care of people everywhere. And, and, and my mom wanted me to, and I, and, and I said to her, listen, I don't have any answers. And she goes, you know, you know, Bob, I don't have answers for those, but I know who does. And, and I want to share something with you. It's a, it's a secret that changes everything. And if you set this up and do it every day, it'll change the trajectory of your life. And I said, so what are you, what are you talking about? And she goes, well, I got to ask you three questions first, though. They're simple, simple questions. And this will point you in the right direction. The first question is, is, is that, that does God know your situation? And, you know, that cuts right to the root of everything. Uh, you know, and when you're trying to do a garage door opener and you're trying to do like, hey, some facet of, of some little problem in my in my business that I can solve myself, those are easy answers. But when you're talking about a death in the family or, you know, you're talking some stony ground, right, that, that actually has created so much hurt in your life that you don't know what to do. Your dad never told you he loved you. You're, you're, you're sitting in, in, in debt. You're, you're in sitting in, in, in celebrate recovery or in some prison today. And you're sitting in this, how do I get out of this? The, the real question, my mom wanted right off the bat, bam. Hey, does God know your situation? Yes. Not only does he know, but he wants you to know he knows. And the highest priority in times of crisis is to get your mind above it. And the highest thought is what? It's God. Now, this is so fantastic because when you think about it, there's so many people who, when they talk about God, they think that he's like an old-time phone operator. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's got like six telephone lines for seven billion people. It's just not true. That he only works on like terror attacks and heart attacks and natural disasters. No, no, no. He's able to do this and meet with everybody in the, in the world. Seven billion people all at once. And so, so does God know your situation? Uh, yes. It, and so I said, well, okay, so what's the second question, Mom? She goes, is this too hard for him to handle? And I almost wanted to say too hard for who? Because today we just don't think of God in that terms, like, like he's going to get involved in our day. And the reason is, is that to some degree, it, it goes back a little bit to when I wrote The Power of Who, is that we don't have lots of friends so we've created the word friends in such a direction that we call f- people who are friendly friends until we're in trouble, and then we, they don't really respond. So if I can't get a friend to respond to me, how would I get God? Is God going to really get involved in my life? Yes. And so I, my mom says to me, okay, so here's your third question. Are you ready? And I said, yes. She goes, let's recap. Does God know your situation? Yes. Is this too hard for him? No. She goes, does God have a good plan for you, Bob? And I said, I said, yes. And so she said, so what is it? Well, I, I was stumped. I don't know what it is. I, and, and she says, of course you don't. None of us know what that is. She goes, two chairs. I said, two what? Two chairs. She says, if there's a 1% chance that God would meet you tomorrow in your apartment, would you meet him? I said, God? And she said, yes, would you meet God if he would meet you tomorrow at two chairs early in the morning? Would you go? And I said, yes. And she said, that's such a good answer, Bob. She said, because you didn't call the meeting. He did. 
God said before the foundation of the world, he said, listen, in, in the, all, throughout, all throughout the Bible, all throughout history, he said, I will meet with you. I want to talk with you. Listen, in Proverbs, it's, it talks in, in Proverbs 123 that if, if you just hear my rebuke that I wanted to tell you some things, I would have shared all my thoughts. I would have given you counsel on what? This trouble that you're in. This situation that you're, 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 have you ever been in a spot where your heart is so, you're so hurt? Your mom died. Your dad's got Alzheimer's. You're sitting in something and no one's behind you. Your friends all gave you up. What would you do in times like that? Well, we need someone bigger than us. We need someone bigger than our aspects. Someone who's not overwhelmed by our trouble. Someone who can actively get involved. And so today, I've got a simple book that's starting to really going to get people to come to grips with. If you could, if, if you could just set up two chairs. So this, this secret is not like the secret is furniture. The whole universe secret's not furniture. It's who sits in the furniture. And so the question is, have you got the guts to set it up? Well, so I want to break down some of what you just covered in this in this time we have today. But real quick, I do want to back up to a 10,000-foot view. And uh, the folks listening to this don't know, but you guys just did a segment on this live for Facebook. And it sounded like, as I came into the call midstream, it sounded like you were already discussing this. So our true performance audience uh, here at Ziegler is large and diverse. And for the most part, they are a faith-based group, and they're going to resonate with this and understand it clearly. But not all, in, in regards to the evangelical God that we're referencing here, are of that uh, faith. So for them, uh, does this book and message hold value uh, to their lives? Yeah, of course. The answer is God's over everybody. And so we we have a, a creator of the world, 94% list, at least of people in, in the in, in currently our country here. And, and, and I'm just going to start there and then we'll broaden it out, you know, come from so many different types of faiths. And the answer is they believe in God. And yet what I'm going to be talking about is less than 1% of the country are doing what we're really talking about. Okay, actually deciding to sit and talk with the you know God. Actually, not just go because our our mechanism today that what we do a lot with God is we pray, and it's fantastic. But the question is, there has to be this backup question: is what did He say? I mean, what? Why would you just inform, okay, your Creator of the problem He already knows, and then why would you come back and just debrief Him on the subject? So the question is, you got to do that. Right, Kevin. Let me let me just jump in here for a second, and and uh, this is what I think makes the Ziegler show, the legacy of Ziegler, so unique. Is is my dad, Zig Ziegler, had the ability to share this type of message on the stage all over the world, and people loved him for it, whether they believed in exactly what he was saying or not. And I've had many people when I speak and when I travel, many people come up to me and they ask this simple question. You know, I'm not sure I, I'm I follow a different faith or I'm a skeptic. So there, I, I Bob and I have had a deep conversation about this. And there's really in the world, there's what I call three general categories of people. They're believers who want to go deeper. And that's what two chairs is about. It's 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 something that I practice every day. And it's given me a faith, a trust to know that I'm just supposed to handle what God puts in front of me. He's got the rest of it. And the troubles are going to come, and, and I'm going to go through that and be better because of it. 
And that's a lot of hope when you have that situation. And then there's the what I call the seeker category. And this, the seekers, they, they know in their heart that there's something bigger than them, and they're not sure how to find it. And, and for that group, I just say, you know, God's promised me that, that if you will ask him, he will reveal himself. And so two chairs is a perfect, a perfect place for you, no matter where you are in the world, what position you're in, just with that simple question. You know, God, what's the plan? Show yourself. What's the plan? And then for the skeptics, uh, for those who have made a decision, they've investigated, and they've said, you know what, that's not for me. You know, I, I just have to take my hat off because you have so much more faith than I could ever muster. When I look at the creation and the things that are going on. Yeah. But once again, I would say, you know what, what a powerful way to start your day, to, to meditate on what's the plan. And if that thought comes to mind, hey, you know what, is there something else out there? Reveal yourself. The way I look at it is there is no downside to that question. Yeah, it's- There is no downside to that question. So uh, that's, that's why I love our audience because I get, I get feedback constantly through the podcast, through our Zignificance <coughs> newsletter, from people from all walks. We want to know that you're welcome here. And because this is such an important part of so many people's lives, we want to bring you what we feel is life-changing information. Yeah. Well, Bob, the ultimate goal you give, uh, as I called through the book, for the message and, and, and in the book, you say is to get ourselves to where we can find the peace, joy, insight, wisdom, power, and favor we'll need to bring back hope to the situation. That was interesting that your purpose for finding, seeking, going after, achieving peace, joy, insight, wisdom, power, and favor is to bring hope to a challenging situation instead of rallying all that power power to go straight to a solution. So it felt somewhat, and I I ask you to expound on that, are you outlining a pathway, a problem to solution as requiring first hope as a connecting bridge? Yeah, so we have... You know, we have two systems that actually we're facing every single day. And and the one with two chairs is is starting with hope that there's actually something besides just you going to have to go face this today because you've been facing this a long time. And a lot of times you come to your conclusion that I'm just not big enough and I don't have enough ability to actually solve this one deal. I don't know what to do. And so you've lost Hope and, and and we don't have to look very hard around the world today to see hopelessness. Um, and then number two is is that it, that that in this process of two chairs is you're going to get creativity. That something happens at two chairs, and and one of the things that's interesting is is that you know believer believers are sitting with this thought that they can exchange their trouble, okay, to a God that actually cares. That actually is going to get involved. And then God is going to then transmit things to them in this process. And what is that? Creativity. That's There's a large number of insight and wisdom to how to actually do this. You know as well as I do, if I'm sitting with so many problems, I lose sight of everyone else around me because I'm so consumed with my trouble. Mm-hmm. And I don't have room for anybody else. And it also affects my emotional state to such a degree that I'm, that I'm now angry or I feel offended or I feel like I'm a victim in some way that I, because of the trouble that I have and I can't believe it it's 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 raining outside but i only believe it's raining on me 
And and so the great part of two chairs is that you have a hope that there's something bigger than you. And two is that there's creativity. The third facet is, is that in this process is there's some facet of optimism. There's something that's mm-hmm. so optimistic. And and a lot of people, they, they find that. But, but one of the things that God said, that in this world, you're going to have trouble. Be of good cheer because I've overcome it. I've got something for you. I've given you inside information. I'm going to give you optimism today that's going to change you. Do you know what's a, a game changer? It is that when I see people, so we've all loved and seen for history, every epic movie, every big sports turnaround. And, and, and it doesn't matter if you're in, in, in Liverpool and, you, and you're talking about soccer or you're, you're talking about in, in Rio today and you saw last night this fantastic win by, you know, by all of a sudden, you know, Brazil all of a sudden beating the United States in, in, in volleyball. It never happened in the last, you know, I don't know, they hadn't lost a game in 26. But the crowd, the people and everything, the, the odds were so against them. The, the opportunity in all of this. So sometimes in this process is that we don't feel we don't feel optimistic in a process and we're trying to get it. But the trouble, the trouble here and favor of someone who actually has a different belief system, right? We all know people who are somehow able, you know, like Stephon Curry or someone like LeBron James or somebody who's able to do something. They can just take a game into their own hands. How did they get that? How does how does that grandma that's in that's in some facet of the of of Harlem or some spot in some bad area of Africa. How does she stand up for her family? How did she get that belief system? Those are those are just good questions. The last one is that hey, if we all of a sudden have a hope and think there has to be a plan. And so I want that plan. And so if there is a God, he he has to reveal himself. He has to tell you his plans. Now, he's, he said he does, but the answer is that he does. Now, the world system, as you know, Kevin, it, it works totally opposite. It starts with a plan. Absolutely. Yeah. It starts with a plan, and you're just, not, you, you, you're, you're just not part of it. They don't really care about you in the plan. You know, so when I go out in the plan, I, you know, you know, they didn't have my, they, my name wasn't written into all of a sudden some big part. And, and then the aspect is that all of a sudden is that, Hey, I'm going to all of a sudden be creative. I can be creative in this next piece for them. It's just, this whole thing's inverted. I can be creative as long as I fit within this box of theirs, right? They don't want me to actually have any creative thought. And we know that all the time that people push us and, and press us. And then optimism will dang. I mean, hello, Houston, we got trouble. You know, there's no there's no optimism around us, and 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 actually hope. That's what I'm talking about. There's got to be there's something that's hopeless today, and so, you know, some people just say, "Hey, look, and I don't want to do it. I just don't want uh, to make an exchange. If you don't make an exchange like this, what we're talking about, you're still going to make an exchange in in the world system. I'm just going to make it for Maker's Mark." You know, yeah. you know, a drink. I'm going to make it for cocaine. I'm going to make it for some type of mindless entertainment. I'm going to do something else. Folks, a brief pause, and I want to recognize a supporter of this episode's True Performance Show by Ziegler. It is Qualaroo. Uh, Qualaroo gives you the power to engage with your customers in real time, collect valuable insights, and increase your conversions. Getting eyes on your website, product, or service are only as good as the action taken an ultimate conversion. There's a wall between you and your users and few businesses work to break down that barrier, but you can with Qualaroo real-time surveys. You can ask your customers for feedback at the ideal moment. They know what they want from your product, what's broken and why they're leaving your site. You just need to ask 
Qualaroo integrates with dozens of tools you use every day, like Salesforce, Optimizely, and Tableau. So you can power up your growth with valuable insights. The teams at companies like Uber and eBay and Spotify, Zillow, and many more rely on Qualaroo to understand their audience. So with class-leading targeting and segmentation ability, it's easy to ask the right users the right questions at the right time. Join the industry leaders and take the guesswork out of your strategy. Visit Qualaroo.com and you'll get the first two weeks of service free when you sign up. No commitment. Cancel anytime. Again, that's Qualaroo. Q-U-A-L-A-R-O-O dot com. Well, so you talk in this right off the bat that your mom passed this legacy down to you. So we could assume, I would guess errantly so, that you have just gone through your life. You've looked at every struggle, every challenge, every trial. You have done two chairs and things have just gone swimmingly. Uh, Or... Is there a time where you violated this? You didn't do this. You skipped it and you found yourself in one of those hopeless situations. And, and this is a, a, a learning process for you as well. Yeah. I would tell you that no one gets out of the, the trouble zone. So just you can't write a book on, on two chairs if you haven't been a lot of times in trouble and have, and, and have actually gone for times where you stop going to two chairs that you get isolated. So the so you know the goal sometimes, and if you've always seen it, is is that we have like this enemy, this self talk mechanism that's constantly talking to us all the time. And but that you know we get surprised in life. I mean, I always find it. We it, it, even though God said in this world you're going to have trouble, I'm still always surprised when it's me. And how about you, Kevin? I mean, do you ever? I mean, dang, I, I thought I had enough trouble. Is that the trouble should be over by now? Yeah, I keep and trying to I'm, arrive. I'm another trouble. You know, so when my nephew committed suicide at age mm. 24, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was thinking, dang, could I just have a moment? Could I have sent him a note and told him how much I, I thinking about him, how much I appreciate, how much I love him? Uh, could I have, could I have, where, where the heck was I? Was I so consumed with, with my business or, or, or writing or something else? And uh, I couldn't do anything about it. Now the impact on your, your whole family and everybody and how hopeless it feels like I'm a bad, you know, like they're bad moms and dads. And then everyone starts to, to go downhill. But the issue is, is that in those times, um, you go to two chairs and God, I, 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 listen, when I've had so many people who their first experience, they feel hugged. Hmm. Now, listen. Uh, they feel like there's something that 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 says, "Listen, I got your back. I know. I'm not. Listen to me. I, no, don't think about that. That you know, it, it's okay. Today we just don't know what to do. And I'm just telling you right off the bat is my troubles don't get less nor any of this process. But my God is bigger. That's just something that I believe, and that's why I go. And the more time I spend with him, the goal is is not just to, you know, each day you got to get rid of your trouble because by the end of the day, I'm back in, I'm back into Bob again. It's so big, and so you're you're you you start to get overwhelmed by your circumstances. And then, you know, my mom used to say, you know, in this book, I I really take you through seven steps of times of what to do in times of trouble. And I said to my mom one day, I said, so what do I do at the end of the seven? And, I, and my problem's not done by the end of the day. And she said, well, that's when God says, see you tomorrow, same place, same time. Yeah. You know, this is a journey. And sometimes the, the hurt and the negativity, which we all have, is a passageway to something else that God's got that's something great. And, 
And, uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm just on that. Well, so in, let's, let's get to the nitty gritty of this. Yeah. Tom, Tom. Yeah. I, I was just going to jump in. Yeah. And say, you know, one of the truths that I have to learn all the time is that in our world, it's like we judge ourselves on our results. Yeah. And so we get into trouble. Um, the relationship goes away. Somebody gets sick. We lose our job. Um, I get letters every day from people all different countries, and they're in oppressive regimes. You know, they're they're basically uh, told that you never you don't have an opportunity. And so it's very easy to get trapped into believing that your worth is based on your results. And when I go to two chairs, I realize that my worth to God is the journey. He's, he's not concerned with whatever the world thinks results should be. He's concerned with how am I doing the journey? Am I leaning on him? Am I trusting him? Am I, uh, who am I becoming in the process? And that's a huge hope. That's a huge relief because when somebody puts their arm around you figuratively or literally and they say, man, I understand. I've been there. Um, Lean in. You got this. I mean, that's what Bob talks about when he talks about literally feeling a hug or feeling comfort in this process. So that's just a, a personal a personal experience for me, and and uh, that's why I, I love my two chairs time every. I mean, I come in in the morning, and literally it's the same room every single day. And before I sit down, the chair I have picked out for God, Bob, it's it's a swivel chair. <laughs> And I make sure that that swivel is pointed right at me, yeah. Uh, because it's it's just a reminder. It's just a, a a time, and and we we spend that time together. And and this is the last thing I wanted to say is that one of the joys that I have is sharing a message like this to uh, audiences of all backgrounds. And I simply people will come up and they'll go, "How do you get away with doing that?" Because in our country, you broke every taboo. You mm-hmm. you can't talk about this. And I say, well, it's, it's real simple. When I ask people, um, do you want to know 100% of the things that Zig Ziglar said made him successful, or, or do you want to know 60%? Everybody wants to know 100%. I mean, I think we owe it. I, I think I have a moral obligation to bring a message like this to you. Otherwise, we're holding back some of what we believe our – Success, and I'm not talking about success from a monetary perspective. I'm talking about a success from watching a man live his life in joy, despite the circumstances, his whole life. Well, so in the nitty gritty again of you sharing your testimony, Tom, that you're doing this. So I want to talk about belief in, in, in a sense. So even those who are out there who do claim Christianity, they they claim Christ, believing He exists as opposed to believing in him it makes me think about, you know, I can, it's one thing to love my wife out of, out of duty and decision. It's another thing to be in love. And I'm dramatically grateful for that, uh, for the latter there. So let's ask the big question of belief. I mean, the tagline Bob of your book is the secret that changes everything. And then you divulge that the secret is God wants to spend time with each of us every morning before we begin the day. He wants to talk to us, be friends. He already knows everything about us and he wants us to know everything about him. So intellectually as a Christ follower, I, I, I agree. I would say, I understand this, but literally believing it to the point of that God is going to show up, that I will actually hear him 
with some clarity is, is another thing. We all know that, which steers us to the, the, the engagement here, the reality that this is a, for many, this issue is a, it's a crisis of faith. What can you offer us into, in regards to this just challenging reality? Yeah. So that's fantastic. So first is that uh, we already hear uh, an enemy constantly talking in our ear. And they're always telling you, you're, you're not good enough. And you messed up here. And you're too late. You're too old. You're too this. You're too that. Now, let's just put that over on one side. If your wife calls you now on the phone and she says, hey, hon, how are you doing? Do you say to her, uh, who is this? Mm-hmm. No. And the reason is, you know her voice. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you've gotten to know her. And so it's interesting that God promises that his sheep, all of his people, they know his voice. And you'll know his voice when you hear it. And so, you know, why would we have to really have some questions? Why would God say you renew your mind daily if we only are supposed to do it like on Sundays or or Easter or Christmas or Hanukkah, you know, or Passover? I mean, why would why would he say you had to do it daily? Well, he must have some things he has to tell us daily. Uh, Why would God say ask, seek and knock? Now, that's such an active verb. If he didn't have something to say, okay, these are these are aspects that he wanted to say something, you know, something to us. All throughout Psalms, he's talking constantly about talking and wanting to share some things, and and all throughout this. And so, then why would he say seek him first if he meant seek him like seventh? You know, if I could get someone like you know, Warren Buffett or even Zig Ziglar, you know, to have come to your house for five or 10 minutes to talk to you each day and to share with you the wisdom and the knowledge and all the things about, you know, of, of, of aspects of, of getting to the top, right? If I could have had him do that, that would be great. But my question, would you have talked the whole time? No. So what we do is we've gotten custom to having a situation where we don't like quiet time. So we're on our phones, we're on iPads, we're on computers. We're never, we're never not busy. The question is, can you not just sit for five minutes and try out something that you're sitting at a point? If, if you were on a gurney heading to the hospital, I don't have to really do this because you're not looking for prescription plans and all of a sudden rehab programs. You're looking and screaming out, God, help me. But, but now in our current time, Wherever we are, wherever, whatever spot is desperate for where you are, my question is, what if, what if he would meet you and, and what if you called out to him and said, good morning, how are you? Listen, I'm a mess. I'd like to talk and then listen, be quiet and listen to him. See, you know, the answer is, you know, I was halfway through writing my book and so so God says to me, listen, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been doing this for 40 years. Off and on, you've had ups and downs and your life has turned this. But each time you had friends that people I gave you that came back and reminded you about what we were doing and why this was paramount to everything to who you are. And he says, I have a question for you. Are you going to be bold enough to tell people that you're seeding them? It's like a seed. I'm just telling you about going and setting up. You don't have to do it. You know, there's not three chairs. I'm not going to be with you. There's no moderators. There's no facilitators. It's just you and God. And would you be bold enough to actually tell me today that you believe I'm going to meet each of the people? And I want to tell you. So all my success in business, all my life, I want to tell you with the greatest confidence that he will meet you tomorrow. 
You will not question. I don't care where you are. I don't know what country you're in. I don't care what you believe, where you've been. All you have to do is set up your two chairs. And the answer is just meet them. You know, I haven't even got a book out, Kevin, and I have people all over the world sending me pictures of two chairs that they Mm -hmm. set up. And they're telling me their story of how God met them. It's so overwhelmingly exciting. Listen, God's bigger than denominations. God's bigger than all of this. He created the whole world and he will meet you. Why? Because you're important to him. Folks, I want to recognize another supporter of today's show. It is Concordia University of Wisconsin. Employers are constantly lamenting a lack of soft skills in their workforce. This includes communication, self-awareness, and emotional intelligence, much of the focus of Ziegler's True Performance Show. So how about getting a college degree that puts a high value on these skills as well? Concordia University of Wisconsin has a new organizational leadership and administration master's degree. This degree is a unique alternative to an MBA that focuses on people, culture, and the invaluable soft skills needed to effectively lead. It can be completed 100% online. It can be completed in just one year and is designed for busy professionals. Every student gets a dedicated success advisor who helps you keep your life in balance while you study. Best of all, your lessons will be rooted in Christian ethics and biblical principles. So go to write this down online info dot c u w dot e d u slash ziggler to learn more if you decide to apply enter the coupon code ziggler and the concordia university wisconsin will waive your application fee again that url is online info dot c u w dot e d u slash ziggler well, so that piece of it that you just talked about, two things there, actually. The first one, though, we, of course, know much about prayer. There's no end to content about prayer. Pray to the Father. Pray, pray, pray. And you're not countering this at all, but such a simplistic thing. It, it caused me to pause, Bob, bottom line, that your impetus on listening it's just not something I learned in, in church. It's not something I learned in the culture. Even in my home, it was you sit down, you take that time, you bring your needs, you bring your praise even to God, you pray. And that fit me well. I'm a doer. I like, to, uh, I like things to be happening. To sit then and to listen. I really want to, I mean, to get specific on that, not that there is a strategy for listening to and hearing from God. But if I just stop and be quiet, as you talked about, we are so not prone to doing that. We're, we almost are scared of that, uh, to not be proactively doing something, just to sit there. Generally, my thoughts run amok. I'm trying to quiet myself, try not to go to sleep, something like that. So I mean, we're talking about some brain training, even in this, some soul training. I mean, with the two, two chairs focused, do you have Again, I don't want to break it down. Again, I know you don't to a strategy, a methodology, but to some degree, this is so new for most of us to sit there, to bring a thought to God, but then to just shut up and be quiet. It's such a void. Yeah, well, you just, uh, you're hitting on something that's the most important aspect to God, right? That, you know, there's so many benefits of, of, God, of sitting with God, right? Just just feeling like if if we could sit in a room, the perspective that God throughout history has always been talking to his people, to his, you know, from Adam all the way through Moses to all these people that he's talked to, all the prophets, everyone across. But the issue is, would he talk to me? So, you know, you know, Zig Ziglar used to say, you know, is there, you know, when he would sit, he says, hey, is there just 
you know, we just ask and say, is there one change that I could make today that would make my life better? Is there any changes that I could do? What if you had and asked God that? What if you said, hey, so tell me what you think about me. Tell me, tell me what today is, you know, what could I do today? You know, when I sit with God sometimes and I certain and I say, hey, good morning. I mean, I literally look over like I want to go over and reach over and give him a hug. That's how far I've come to this process. And then I say, listen, I, and, he, and he right off starts asking me questions like, so listen, I want that. What? Well, you know, the, the, listen, you're, you're holding on to that problem today. It's overwhelming you. I got some things for you to, de- to do today. Why would God say he has plans for you if he's not going to tell you? What is, well, we're going to die, go to heaven, and then he's going to be like, low-fiving, you know, angels, like as if we weren't going to get any response. So we don't get to talk to God. We, we, we actually only vicariously do like devotionals. Devotionals are fantastic. There's like some people, Sarah Young and Oswald Chambers and Francis Roberts. There's a number of people, but isn't it like vicariously living through somebody else talking to God? I mean, I like doing it occasionally because I like watching some of the things that they're saying. But my question is, when you read those, don't you occasionally stop and say, wouldn't I want to ask that question myself? And would God answer me? Or why would they answer them? So is God really a respecter of person? Here's the thing. Listen, God knows your situation. He's been waiting this. He's got plans just for you. And if you'll just be quiet and talk to him like you talk to me. I talk out loud and I want to make sure of it. Yeah. So I want to, I want to make a confession to all of our uh, podcast listeners. Um, As you know, carrying on the Ziegler legacy, you know, people always say, wow, Tom, you know, fantastic, great job keeping that out there. Uh, But that's a heavy mantle. And I look around and I've got mom. And so, now I'm the son, right? So I'm looking after mom, and I've got my two sisters who've now lost their husbands, my wife and my daughter, our team. And you start you start assuming responsibility for things that were never yours to assume responsibility for. And so, Bob, a few months back, I guess it was three or four months, it was uh, at one of our certification trainings, uh, <laughs> Bob just made the offhand comment, that uh, he was in his two chairs and God told him, Bob, you're in my chair. And and my confession is, is that the first three weeks that I was doing this, uh, God kept telling me, you're sitting in my chair. And it was that realization at that point that, wait a second, I wasn't meant to carry these things. I wasn't, I wasn't, that's, that's not my realm. Yeah, I, I've, I've got to be a steward of this gift that I've been given. Uh, but the, the worry, the anxiety, all those things, never mind to carry. And so when Bob talks about these things coming off of you in this process of, of uh, just relationship, we were created for relationship. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful thing. So that's. I, well, I love the analogy. I mean, I, I always struggled, and I heard lots of people comment on this the old, the old bumper sticker, God is my co pilot. And finally, somebody said, Really? Uh, he's not the pilot in, in your co there. So, uh, yeah, good good point on this. Well, Bob, and you guys, what a great testimony of your friendship as you talk about this together. And, Bob, you've talked multiple times already in this 
in this interview about friends. So all the focus on seeking communing, communicating with God and you talk about accessing God through his people, through your friends. You cite the scripture, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I know many people hear this, but feel somewhat impotent to acquire friends of that caliber that really can provide that counsel. I mean, over the last 23 years, really, of my life of being, being married, we've had consistent friend groups, um, but I don't know that it ever happened. It was always some proactive action of asking and inviting and going after these relationships and taking that investment that so often felt like, gosh, I don't, I don't have the time. I don't know if I really mesh with that person, yada, yada, yada. And we never did it. And I re- you know, took, took time to realize I have to, I have to make the investment. I have to do what may be uncomfortable to have those relationships, to have those friendships so that the fruit of it, I can actually benefit from. So what counsel can you give to those who feel isolated right now as they're listening? They feel at a lack for going after and developing that kind of a friendship that they could, uh, they could feel God through that friendship and they would have somebody that they can literally go to for counsel, for support, for encouragement. So, uh, you know, that in in itself is we were we have to have friends. God gave us specific people to help us in ways we never imagined. Not Facebook friends, huh? No, I mean, we, but we have all these people that we've been friendly with, but we never went deeper with. And that fog is what you're talking about, Kevin. And somehow when we take that into this two chairs experience and we've done the same mechanism where we've been friendly with God, but almost like he's, we're saluting him and doing rote prayers and talking to somebody without going deeper. He wants to actually go deeper. He calls you his friend. God does. But he gave you people. And, and your grandfather told you that if you had one friend, you're blessed, right? If three, you'd be rich. Twelve, you'd change the world. And I, and I tell people all the time, look, at if just in my faith is that if, if in, in a process, if, if God gave Jesus 12 friends, three close, one best, he has to do that with you. And so the question would be is Zig Ziglar had this line that's always touched me. And I, when I went, I went with my dad when I was young. Uh, to a Zig Ziglar conference. And of course, it's it's almost surreal that I'm sitting across from Tom, okay, and and we're 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 great friends. I love Tom. And and so it's so hard today. It's so awkward for people to tell their friends they love them. And so but it Zig said this thing that it doesn't matter if whether it's eight AM or eight PM, I always greet a person before they speak to me. Now think about this. We've stopped greeting people. So how would you make friends? Everybody starts as an acquaintance. So you meet someone, but they have this personal environment, and you know you kind of like them before you even come up to them. Why? Because there's some magnetism of the friendship, and then there's a core value that you have that you talk about, that you like some things. It's not that you're always alike. You might be totally different. You know, Tom and I are different. Tom sits when we do breakfasts, so then we... We, you actually got to call them to go to breakfast. And that's what we started to do. And I'm telling you that I, we're, when we have breakfast, it's like we elevate to a different planet. We start talking about things that matter. And so the hard part initially was, is that I want people to think about is, is who's the person today that you have on your mind that could be a friend and you've developed a relationship, but you didn't go deep. And could you say these three things? Could you say these three things? Could you send them a text message? Okay. And say, Hey, I was just thinking about you. 
I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your friendship. I love you. Now, that's pretty, that's awkward. But again, talking about God is pretty awkward too. I mean, the whole concept of saying that we're talking about two chairs and there's a, a person, like we're really talking about God being another chair, that would be really awkward. But it's not awkward for me because it's not awkward for me to turn to Tom and say, hey, I, I was thinking about him. You know, that's the most affirming thing you can say to someone. And I, and I wanted to tell you how much I appreciate your friendship and I love you. And then let's just say you sent that, Kevin, to your wife. You have like a 90% chance because we don't do this very often that your wife sends back, did you mean this for me? And so we're not starting with something simple. God's simple. This concept of two chairs. We're just going to meet with him for five minutes. See how it goes. God's going to talk to me. I'm going to show up the next day. And I'm going to see how that goes. I'm going to show up the next day. And I'm going to do that. By the time it's six or seven days, all of a sudden God's going, holy cow, are you showing up? And then all of a sudden you start to see your perspective elevated as to who you are. What? That I'm associating with God. And so with friends, you got to show up. If you and I are friends, we would speak on a frequency. And you would you would hear this frequency that we like each other and it would be a tone and it, and we talk about things and I, hey, Kevin, it's like I pick up my lilt and I go, what are you doing? Let's have lunch. Come over right now. Where are you? And then we would meet frequently. That's what friends do. So when I go around the country and ask people to do the three questions, hey, you know, I was, hey, I was just thinking about you. I appreciate your friendship and I, and I love you. You know, no one can tell me who their friends are. You don't think that's a trouble? And so why would we go to God at two chairs if we can't even do it with our friends? And so that's where our problem is. This fog is moving. We, we've been told in business and in life today that friends in business are taboo. So let me get this correct. We're supposed to work with people we don't know and don't trust. <laughs> And then we can't tell people we love them. And of course, we can't talk about God. So what are we left with? Strangers. And so the highest epidemic between ages 10 and 18 today is suicide. Mm. People are getting surprised. They are getting isolated. And then they are being discouraged. And I'm telling you, you're not alone. You're not alone. God has given you some specific people. How would I find those people? Two chairs. You got to talk to them and you got to say to them, hey, I need a friend. I I need my relationship with my wife to get better. I'm not talking to my daughter. What should I do? Ask him that. Let's say your mom died and you're totally overwhelmed. Ask him, how's my mom doing today? If you're all of a sudden in something and you don't know what you could possibly do to get out of debt, say to him, I'm lost. I don't know what to do. And then be quiet. He'll tell you. Now, listen, you've got to drive through the aspect. That's why he said, ask No, he said, keep asking. He said, see, keep seeking. What? If you would seek him with all your heart, he promises you you're going to find him. If you keep knocking, it will be opened. And so to some facet of this, we're just casual. We're not really thinking this is two chairs is what Bob's really talking about. Are you really talking about talking about God? And I'm talking about the creator of the world. I'm talking about the guy who manufactured you. So when you have problems with your system, you've got to go talk to the person. There's no in-betweens. You don't have to go and you know to the to this place or that place to get this. It's at your house. It's at your deal. It's it's in prison. It's at Celebrate Recovery. It's a homeless center. God will meet you everywhere. He he's, he knows how to do that. So on that right there, I don't think there's anyone who would not give an arm or more to know, really know their their plan. 
their calling, their purpose, their destiny. And so in, in the book, you cite an off-stated comment that you receive that you hear. Yeah, I, of course, I believe God has a plan for me. I just don't know what it is. And your response is, of course, that's why you need two chairs. That's the purpose of this book. So I, in dwelling on this, Bob, I think most Christians would say they believe God does have a plan for them. And many non-Christians even would say they believe in, yeah, that destiny of some sort. But then, yes, so many would say, I just don't know what it is. I mean, I've been in groups Heck, in the church foyer where that comes up. And yeah, God has a plan for me. I don't know what it is. Ha ha. And, and we go on. It's, a, it's an unfortunate norm. And I feel like you're here saying, this is not okay. You must do the work to understand the plan. And so a, a big question, help us with, with understanding and, and even giving people, I think, just a vision, giving us a vision of, of how clear, tangible, and specific we could possibly, uh, God's actual plan could be for us that we could comprehend. So, so, so many people turn to me and, and they'll say, hey, so is there times that you can't hear God? Is, so if I went in and I sat with God, I wouldn't hear him? I said, yeah, it's kind of like how you sit and talk to your wife sometime. Uh, you're, you're just not listening to her. You're, you're just consumed with your problem. So this is why God said that you have to exchange what he called a yoke, your trouble, for the things that he wants you to do today. And so you can't go about this today and still hold, bring in all your trouble and then walk out with it. No, he said in this world, you'll have trouble. And he asked you to do one thing, be of good cheer. So the only way he's going to know today, if you are going to do something that he said and have faith. And of course, a lot of people say they don't have faith. And I say, seriously, like, have you been on an airplane? Did you, do you you understand the concept of lift? Have you checked all the lug nuts? No, you're putting faith in the chair you're sitting in. You're putting in faith in everything you do all the time. My question is, this is a simple one. It's just with God that actually you do it for a, try it for a day. Trust God that you could give him your trouble. So what would you do? I would actually go out and be, I know this happened to you. I know you're a victim. I know it's sad. I know you're hurt. I know you've been depressed. I know you're down. But what would it be like if you really believe that God could do it. Think about this. If I took you in a, in a, in a, in like a time capsule and we moved a year and a half ahead and I showed you today that you did not have those troubles today, you're done. The trouble is gone. And now you're looking at backwards and I'm going to take you back to where you are in the midst of the trouble. The answer is, how do you feel? I feel cheerful. I know that even though I'm in the midst of this trouble, that he's taken it. Well, that's exactly what he said. You know, I, I, I have a little story in the book that I try to tell people, and that is that my brother took me to a haunted house when I was young, and I was nine years old. And just before I walked in, he said to me, do you know what this is about? I said, no. And he says, well, they're going to scare you. They're out to scare you and their dark faces and corners and cobwebs and, and eerie music. And so I said, and he says, are you okay with that? And I said, I nodded and he goes, no, no, you got to tell me you're okay with that. I said, okay, I'm okay. And so I paid my $2. I walked inside. As soon as I got on, they scared me to, to, I can't even tell you. They scared the, you know what, out of me. It was unbelievable. And then I remembered the warning and the rest of it was okay. Here's the warning. You're going to have trouble. Everyone listening, you're going to have trouble, but there's a person, there's a God who wants to talk to you about that trouble and he can give you enough cheer for the day. I don't not listen to me, not enough maybe for the, for the next week, but you have to come back the next day 
You got to talk to them. You got to know them. And just like any friends we have, well, listen, I don't know if my friend that I kind of just met is going to pick me up at all of a sudden at the airport when I, when I don't know them that well. I don't know if in trouble you're going to lend me the money. But here's what I do know. I have to have one person who's telling me about something that can create a hope in me. And that's what I'm doing. I'm creating one seed of hope that God, if you will set up two chairs, that's the only faith I need the person to have is to set up it tonight. And then I want them to go to the two chairs. One's for God. Pick the chair out for God. One's for you, one's for God. Don't sit in his chair. Okay? And then when you go, all I need you to do is say these really men's tough questions. Good morning. Meet at 5 a.m. Don't get up, take showers, go to work, do this on the car on your way home. No, no, no. That's not first. That's like seventh. All I said is just wake up, get out of bed, let the dog out, do whatever it is, get your coffee. We're not talking about prayer time. I'm not talking about devotional time. I'm not talking about anything else. All of those are good. Do those later. This one is get your coffee because we want to know that our faith is real, that we have we serve a real God and he actually talks to us and he actually cares about us. And you won't know that until you seek out what I'm saying so simply, and I promise you <laughs> that he will talk back to you. You will know. I had a woman the other day, and she was she was 69 years old. Her husband died a year ago, a year before, and so she said to you know her her her, her son. She read the book. She got up the next morning. And she said she didn't hear anything. So he said, "Well, let's get Bob on the phone." So they get me on the phone, and she goes. She goes, well, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't hear it. I go, well, what is it? And, she, and he said, she said, well, I've been really fearful that I was going to get Alzheimer's. I said, did your mom have Alzheimer's? No, she, she died at 92. Did your dad? No. I mean, so I said, so what are, what are you talking about? And she goes, I said, did anybody in your family ever all know? And I said, so are you just fearful of some things? Yes. And I said, so let me ask you a question. Didn't your husband just die about a year ago? And she goes, Yes. I said, did you talk about that with God? And she goes, I did. And what did he say? She said, he said, I'll never abandon you. And I said, well, you didn't think he was talking to you? And she said, well, I didn't want my son next to me to think that he felt like he was abandoning me. And I just, in this, I didn't know what to say. And so listen, we, God knows your trouble. He's going to talk to you about it. Bring the simplest to the most complex. Bring your hurts, bring your problems, bring your worries, your frustrations. If God said that he, you know, can handle all this, I'm telling you he can. I'm an executive recruiter and as an executive recruiter, I look at people's resumes every day. I can tell you a demonstrated record of achievement just by looking at what you've done and throughout your years. I'm trained in it for 36 years. Now I want to tell you something. I've seen God's resume. It's really good. He never loses. He's not overwhelmed by your trouble. It's okay. He'll meet you. He'll talk to you. And listen, that's very comforting in times of trouble. Well, uh, immense. Folks, go get the book, but listen to how simple this is. And I would say it's like many of the great truths 
that it, it is simple. It is, is difficult. It's new. Reminds me a lot of, of Zig's self-talk cards, which we spend so much time talking about here. It's uncomfortable to begin with. We may not have great faith, but as you hear, Bob, just, just take him up on the bet that if we would do it, I need to. Tom, you've testified about it so much. I've talked with you about doing it some, but it was really in preparing for this interview that I really got into the book and I am eager to – and a couple things, Bob, to what you said. Don't do anything beforehand. Well, except coffee because that, that's godly, of course. <laughs> clearly. But, clearly, clearly. Do that. But don't do something else because I will try to fit it in you know, later, and it often doesn't happen. Do it first thing and then bring a thought, bring a prayer, but then stop and listen. So I've got something to report back to you folks. You know we love to have homework from these shows. That's it to wake up in the morning, don't do anything beforehand, and give it a try. Try it for a day. Try it for a week. Thank you, Bob. Folks, again, the website is two, uh, what is it, Two Chairs Book? Yes. Right? Okay. Didn't have it in front of Two Chairs Book. It's the number two. Two Chairs Book. Go there. Get involved with Bob. Again, this is the second show that we've had uh, him on. I'm sure we'll have others. But this, as he talks about... I sometimes bristle when people say that their message, their thing is the thing. It's the best thing. It's hard to refute in this case. Bob, thank you. Thank you for bringing us this message. Thanks for giving your time to this show. I'm just honored to be here. Again, you know, nothing's more so. First off, not only knowing Zig, but knowing Tom, knowing this, this, this aspect of this podcast and how much they do and how much value that they bring to people's lives every day. And, and I can promise you that this message goes right along with the other ones. It's simple. Go to your two chairs. He'll meet you. He loves you. He's not mad. He's got a plan. Oh, thank you, folks. Thanks for being with us and inspiring your true performance and mine as well. Look forward to talking with you in the next show. 